We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel. Jack, how we doing? Yeah, well, Nick, well, um, it's, a, it's a weird and crazy time that we're currently living in, and it's certainly affecting the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, probably the weirdest Nets season to date, to be honest here. But before we get started, as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. This episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. But, Jack, I'm going to pass it over to you. All right, Nick. So we have two Brooklyn Nets that have tested for positive for coronavirus. Our starting center, DeAndre Jordan, and our starting point guard, Spencer Dimwitty, uh, were both announced. DeAndre Jordan has announced that he won't be returning to Orlando. Uh, Spencer Dimwitty has expressed a desire to do so. Uh, what was your reaction to this news when it came out? 
you know, we, we got the Spencer news a couple hours earlier. So I saw that and I was like, damn, that's that's crazy. Obviously, he's a key component to the Nets. And then you worry about him just from a physical and like mental and health perspective. He has a child. He has a significant other. So it's like, OK, hopefully Spence is OK because he was he wasn't even asymptomatic. You know, he's experiencing symptoms. So that's always something that's kind of scary. And I mentioned to you, I was like, oh, I wonder how many other Nets have it because Spencer mentioned practicing. And then a few hours later, we find out DeAndre Jordan, who, you know, he's a big guy too. So I feel like it could even have more of an impact on him given his size and, you know, depending on how it impacts your appetite with the lack of smell and lack of taste. You know, he's he's focusing on next season already by opting not to go. And I don't blame anyone for not going, even Spencer. Like if he decides not to go, like don't risk it because it's, it's, it's like under a month now. You know what I mean? And like yeah. you don't know how long it's going to take you to recover and what your body's going to be like. And we've heard of different things with like impacting people's lungs long term. So it's kind of scary stuff, to be honest. And it makes you like as things in the U.S. were to an extent like easing on COVID in certain areas. Obviously, we've had major outbreaks in certain southern states. But like in New York, the curve is going down, you know, wearing your mask, wearing your gloves out in public, like you're feeling OK. And then you see like two big NBA players get it and you're like, ah, damn, like this is still really a thing and it impacts you in many different ways. Yeah, that it does. And uh, I think with the Spencer Dinwiddie news, when as soon as I heard that, you know, the the takes from a lot of Nets fans were, were Tank. pertaining to the, the, the tanking and playoff stuff. And, you know, I think that we just, it, it's it's easy to, to lose that sense of, you know, humanity and empathy when we're talking about athletes. But like you mentioned, Nick, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is a man at the end of the day. He's a person. He has a family. You know, his long-term health is, is what matters. And the same with DeAndre Jordan. You know, Spencer Dinwiddie, we've heard, you know, Rudy Gobert sort of saying that he still is is, is experiencing symptoms despite technically recovering um, from COVID-19. You know, DeAndre Jordan is a guy who has experienced asthma for quite a while. And when it comes to, it is a respiratory illness as well, COVID-19. So the effect that it could have on him, I mean, I'm, I'm number one. I don't really care what happens with this book on the next season. I want to have Spencer Dinwiddie as healthy as possible long-term uh, as a person. The same with DeAndre Jordan because, you know, th this illness, like we saw, and this disease is just so damn viral and there's so many unknown factors to it. You know, I've, I've been, and I, I've looked up little bits and pieces when I was uh, chatting to, to Nick, um, Aussie Nick on, on JVT. And like you said, we don't know the, the long-term effects of this illness because it's, it's such a new novel disease. So, Hopefully, uh, DeAndre Jordan, you know, is is healthy going forward. I know, and um, Vinet Staley that his mum wasn't too happy that they had to go back to New York because he was staying in in California. I believe Spencer Dinwiddie as well was in Texas during the uh, yeah during the San shutdown. Antonio. I think he bought a home. Yeah, so there's a lot of different things about was heading back to Brooklyn uh, the best decision. I know that obviously DeAndre's mum wasn't the happiest about that, but. The, the the viral nature of this disease, you can certainly get it anywhere. And it's it's, it's popping up like crazy here in Melbourne, Australia as well. So um, main thing is, I don't really care about the basketball side of things. I want DeAndre Jordan to be healthy for as long as he's a Brooklyn then and for as long as he's on this earth. And the same with Spencer Dinwiddie. These guys, it's a scary disease. Uh, get healthy, stay healthy. And yeah, I think we can talk a little bit about the basketball side of things, like you mentioned with Spencer Dinwiddie, Nick. You know, the, we're coming back in about a month it takes two weeks minimum that you got to quarantine and such. Spencer Dinwiddie going to be coming back? I don't know. It seems like Spencer wants to come back, 
but I don't know physically if he'll be able to. You know what I mean? You mentioned the two weeks if he's still experiencing symptoms, and like then he has to train. You're not training probably for those two weeks or really doing much exercising, hoping your body gets back to 100%. And like we mentioned, we don't know if it's going to have like some type of lingering effect. I talked to somebody who had COVID, and they said it was like impacting their lungs for almost a month after where it was like they were still having some issues. They still could like live their normal life, but breathing was harder. And obviously playing an NBA game requires like the highest extent of breathing. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Nets didn't even want him to go at that point. You know what I mean? Oh, where it's like, yeah. it's, you know, we don't want to put you at risk, Spencer. We don't want you to pass out on the court or whatever it might be. So I think I, I would be surprised actually if we saw him in Orlando. I really hope he doesn't. And just, just for the well-being and, and the safety concerns and, and health concerns, you know, I, I alluded to Rudy Gobert, just did a, a quick Google search. The, the main thing that seems to be going around is that he still can't smell properly. And, you know, he contracted the virus, what, in March? You know, maybe a little bit before. You know, he was the reason why the NBA shut down. So, like, March 11, yeah. what, we're like, three months later now. And, you know, he's still experiencing symptoms and, and lingering effects of the disease. So, yeah, Spencer did say um, that, just to be clear, and this was on Twitter, I haven't opted out and want to play like I told Sham Sharania. Unfortunately, I've been one of the cases that has various symptoms. And, you know, it, it's it's spreading. It's, it's one of those diseases that spreads like crazy. There's three Denver Nuggets. There's New Orleans Pelicans players. There's the 16 other players that were reported as well. Um, I think that the NBA really needs to start reevaluating Orlando in general. I know that that probably makes some Nets fans and NBA fans in general uh, a little bit uneasy about the fact that, you know, we were heading back and now we're not heading back. You know, the, if they're really truly thinking about health and safety and they are the player-driven league, then I think that they really need to look into this and start really thinking about precautions because uh, as expensive as it is, I think Brian Windhorst said $1.5 million a day uh, the Orlando bubble is Orlando, whatever you want to call it, quarantine campus, whatever you want to call it, is going to cost. And if it means long-term ill effects of these NBA players, um, it is it's just not worth it. Yeah, I mean, I think an interesting like thought is obviously not going to win. I don't hope this is the case, but what happens if we find out tomorrow three other Nets tested positive? Like it, yeah. it gets to a point where it doesn't even make sense for the Brooklyn Nets to go to Orlando. Like if they have five other guys sitting out that are part of the rotation, like it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this team's not going, and then maybe the same thing happens with Denver, and then, okay, maybe it's time for the NBA to look at shutting it down. You know what I mean? Where it just gets to a point where they can't safely say that everyone's not at risk being down there. You know what I mean? Especially with the way Orlando's going. We're like, they can do everything in their power, but there's still a probability someone's going to get it, and there's no way to kind of control if someone gets it and then they pass it to somebody else in a matter of you know six hours or one hour. Yeah, it's it's insane. And, you know, obviously we still have a month to go and a lot can certainly change in a month. And, and we know in in today's day and age, especially with the, the nature of this season, it can be up and down, it can fluctuate. Uh, but there are certainly plenty of things to consider if you're Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA. But Nick, uh, getting back to, I guess, a bit of the basketball stuff, obviously with the amount of players, Wilson Chandler, Jordan Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Nicholas Claxton, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, all not heading to Orlando. The next rotation is looking pretty damn thin. You put yeah. a tweet out asking for responses about what you certainly think that other player, other people thought about what the next rotation could be. Uh, give me the names and the starting lineups and the the, the numbers and, and who we're going to see out there because it's, it's getting thin. Yeah, I mean, the most popular response was Chris Gioza, Karis Avert, Joe Harris, Torian Prince, and Jared Allen for the starting five, which, you know, that makes sense. 
I mean, you could obviously opt to have Chioza off the bench because he would be your only other lead guard. I don't know if you want to start him with Karras or you just got to really stagger those minutes. And then off the bench, it uh, gets a little interesting. You know, you have TLC, you got Garrett Temple, you have Tyler Johnson, you got Rodions. And then you don't have that backup center. Obviously, with no DeAndre, Jared Allen starting, and now it's like, okay, what are we going to do there? So I think the rotation is really interesting. I think Matt Brooks might have put out a tweet. It was like six out of the 12 nets that are healthy and able to play in Orlando are shooting guards. It's. It, I mean, Joe Harris is going to be playing a lot of power forward, but like Kenny, Kenny used to love. <laughs> it's yeah. going to be interesting. Prince it's, is probably uh, going to have to play some center minutes unless they're able to sign like a competent big, where maybe some random G League guy just pops off and has a big, you know, stint for them. But other than that, it's going to be Prince, Rodions, like Justin Anderson at center. Yeah, let's get rid of it for 39 minutes of Torian Prince at center. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm all. I'm all for it. It's. This is not normal, Nick, and uh, I, I find it hard to continue to focus and analyze on the NBA side of things, but the rotation for the Nets is as weak as it's ever been. You know, yeah. Deron Williams, Darren Williams, however you want to say it, his his paycheck finally ended today. Uh, I mean, we should have probably signed him for another month so we can get him to Orlando, play some backup minutes for the Brooklyn Nets, like the good old days. No, I don't know if they were the good old days, to be honest. <laughs> but, um, in that sort of sense of imagination, yeah, the rotation is incredibly thin. You know, obviously the... The plethora of shooting guards uh, means you're going to be doing a lot of perimeter basketball, a lot of uh, driving. It, it's it's fascinating um, how sort of Jacques Vaughn goes about it, um, who the net sort of pick up. We'll, we'll certainly touch on that, but the the rotation is one where it's, it's probably... Would you say, Nick, that the Nets have the weakest rotation of any of the 22 teams heading into Orlando? Now? Yeah, I would, I would say that now. You know, like, yeah. they, lost two, they lost three starters already. Obviously, Wilson Chandler's like more of just a starter for the Nets, not in general, but DeAndre's a starting caliber center, and Spencer's starter, starting caliber guard, and they're already missing their two best players in Katie and Kyrie. It just gets weak, and especially because they have such weakness at the center position. You know what I mean? Where, hey, like, their guards aren't completely terrible. They don't necessarily have any, like, star players other than maybe, like, Karis Avert, but <laughs> you have Jared Allen, like, literally one big on the entire roster because Nick Claxton's out too. So it's like this is super weak and, like, a team that's not even playing well could just destroy the nets on the boards. Yeah, it's. I mean, rebounding was was one of the the, the, the strong points of the Brooklyn Nets this season, having two of the the better centers in the NBA at that skill. And when you're combining both of them together, you got 48 minutes of great rebounding. Essentially, you know, Jared Allen really did improve in that area, and DeAndre, it's been his number one skill ever since he entered the NBA. So uh, the Nets certainly are going to be, you know. Maybe we'll see some more 2020 games from Jared Allen at the end of the day. Uh, hopefully we do because we're going to need it. It's like uh, I look at it this way, like heading to Orlando as is if no one else is out. It's like a 2021 tryout for the Brooklyn Nets. Like a lot of these guys are role players, and there's not a guarantee they're going to be on next year's team other than maybe like Joe Harris and Karis LeVert. So a lot of these other guys have an opportunity to like earn a role in next year's team. And I'm Jock Vaughn, and I know that I'm already screwed at the big because no matter who they sign, they're still going to be screwed there. I'm just running to the highest extent. Like I'm trying to turn every possession into a fast break and just trying to be use my speed and quickness as much as possible because I know I'm going to be undersized almost for the full 48 minutes. Yeah, it's. I mean, you're going to have to change things up, and we're going to see, you know, some experimentation from Jacques, and hopefully he's got some some tricks up his sleeve because he's certainly going to need them. Um, obviously, the Nets. We'll get to sort of the the schedule and such, but. 
There is no shortage of action going on our exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. For now, Nick, who do you think that the Nets can pick up, will pick up to replace Jordan and possibly Dinwiddie, I guess, in that respect? Yeah, I'm not really sure, Jack. I mean, at this point, you know, things are really thin and the transaction window closes at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. And then they'll be allowed to sign substitute players, which I believe can only have up to three years of NBA experience. So good chance it's going to be a G League guy. You know, it's not like we do a ton of scouting on the G League, so I'm not going to sit here and, you know, shoot out names. I know um, Nets Daily put out a great piece with some guys on there, but that's going to be the best bet. And maybe you can get somebody who, you know, pops off for the eight game stretch and looks like maybe he could be a young piece you have on the roster next year or something like that. So I'd try to look at it in a positive way, I guess. Yeah, I think the the main name, you know, the Long Island uh, center is, uh, and I apologize if I'm saying this wrong, John uh, Egvunu um, had a, a decent enough season for them. And I think that good we've size. seen already, yeah, and good size. And, you know, he rebounds the ball well. Um, and he was playing it in small minutes. You know, he's been, he spent time with the Nets in training camp as well. So uh, that's certainly a name to consider. Obviously, Sean Marks is looking at guys that have affiliations with the team already with Justin Anderson, Tyler Johnson. So that certainly wouldn't surprise me. Names that are NBA names, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein, we've sort of mentioned him, but he uh, wouldn't be eligible for, to play any playoff basketball. Not that that necessarily matters because I think that the Nets, if they're playing any playoff basketball, it'll only be five or six games at most. Um, and then obviously, you know, another sort of uh, discard would be, you know, Dragon Bender. You know, yeah. uh, obviously uh, a, a lottery pick. He didn't Would he really... be eligible? For playoffs? I, believe, I believe so. Um, it doesn't I say anything. I, don't, I mean, it's worth the flyer at the end of the day. It's not really going to make a difference, uh, obviously. You know, probably whoever is that sort of discard and, and pick up may actually get some minutes because, you know, Jared Allen playing 35 it's only human. minutes. And not, yeah, he's going to need some rest. And, you know, whether it's, you know, Justin Anderson, Toyin Prince, whoever it might be playing some center basketball, you know, the, this guy that we end up do picking up, obviously will, on the next episode, we'll certainly be be looking into that a little bit more. They, they certainly could add that. And, I mean, there are plenty of guards still available when you look at guys like, you know, Jamal Crawford, Isaiah Thomas, and, and a heap of other sort of guys. Those are names where Spencer Dillard decides to, to not head to Orlando that, that could be sort of filled in or we could see, you know, again, guys from, from G League uh, affiliates sort of join the Brooklyn Nets. But that right now, as we sort of stand, you know, anyone's guess is as good as ours. And there's some good pieces out there, including from Nets Daily, that have sort of listed different sort of names uh, around the wings. And we'll certainly be uh, analysing and reporting that as soon as it comes to to the news uh, on the Brooklyn Buzz. But, you know, it's anyone's guess right now. And, and that's a good sign to Marcus Cousins. <laughs> I mean, that'd that's be good super s- fun. <laughs> it would be, I mean, the, the Wizards um, were rumoured there for, for DeMarcus Cousins because of the, the affiliation that John Wall has with him and they want actually, he's been linked there for, for, for quite quite a bit. And, you know, if you're talking about other sort of discards, uh, Billy Reinhart put out some names that have sort of been former Brooklyn Nets, Lance Thomas, Dante Cunningham, you know, Amon Shumpert, 
Uh, those sort of guys that have a history with the Brooklyn Nets would not surprise me either. Yeah. I don't hate any of those names either. At the end of the day, the the the, the person being added to this roster uh, is not going to be you know a, a, a key swing in, in the Brooklyn Nets playing some key winning basketball uh, when it comes to the Orlando Camps Orlando bubble. But um, it's going to be an interesting one, Nick. Your guess is as good as mine. But I guess moving on to the next sort of topic, does the absence of Spencer, if it does happen, open up an opportunity for Karis Avert? And are you actually, does, or on the flip side, are you also worried about him getting even more injured? Um, and I, I guess to add in my boy, how does it affect Joe Harris, who's a free agent? Does he get more opportunities? I know on the jump today, you know, Paul Pierce and Brian Windhorst were saying that, like you sort of alluded to, this is a sort of audition uh, for 2020-2021. And, you know, obviously we expect and want Joe Harris to be there. Karis Avert is another question, depending on if there is a third star available for trade. But uh, what are your thoughts on the opportunities that I guess it gives to the guys that are next man up? Yeah, I mean, Karis is going to have a lot of opportunity there. I mean, I'm, I'm concerned with pretty much every Brooklyn Net possibly getting hurt. We've discussed it a lot in the outlet. We're just such a short turnaround. Like, there's going to be guys that pull hamstrings, sprained ankles, whatever it is, just because they're not in the best possible shape because they haven't been playing basketball for the last couple of months. But I think you look at it from, like, a positive and a negative perspective. Yeah, Karras will have the opportunity. He'll have a lot of shots. He'll be the lead guy. But he won't be playing with great teammates, and he's not necessarily going to have that, like, secondary playmaker. We know Karras is good with the ball in his hands, but he usually is a little bit better if he has someone, like, to play next to him that can handle it. So depending on how Garrett Temple or Tyler Johnson or Chris Gioza plays, I think that's going to kind of determine how good Karras Levert plays because I'm not sure if he's, like, he's not a bona fide number one option. You know what I mean, Jack? Like, he's not a guy that I think is super comfortable with the ball 99% 99% of the time like he can do it on certain occasions but I think like the super crazy workload might not work out well for him but I could be wrong like he could go there and play really well but I just have a hard time seeing him against a team like the Raptors or the Celtics or the Bucks where they're able to kind of lock on Karis Avert and they know that nobody else on in the starting five is going to make a play for themselves yeah it's pretty easy if you're reading the scouting report you know Make sure you you send the doubles to Shut Karras. Down Karras. <laughs> Shut down Karras. It's, it's not going to be damn hard. Um, uh, Michael Gallagher put out a tweet. In 320 minute, 327 minutes without Spencer and Kyrie on the floor, Karras put up per 36 numbers of 31.5 points, 5.6 boards, 5.6 times, 1.4 steals, and 3.93s uh, on a usage rate of 37.1%, 53% true shooting, and a plus 0.6 net rating. I mean... Those numbers are okay. Yeah. I mean, I would be like, obviously a good chunk of them are from that Boston game, which probably helped like boost them a little bit. Uh, But I'm not surprised, but I'd also assume a lot of those minutes came against second units. You know what I mean? Like Spencer, I don't think has missed a game all year. So he's been starting next to him if that's the case too. And then when Kyrie was healthy, you know, Karras came off the bench a couple of times. So I would probably look at it that way. I don't think it's impossible for him to still play really well. Like I still think he could have a good stint in Orlando. It's just going to be tough and a lot on Jock Vaughn to find ways to get him open. That's why I kind of mentioned Garrett Temple, Tyler Johnson, and Chris Chioza. Maybe Chioza to the highest extent because – he's the most comfortable setting up other guys. So if Chioza plays really well, it would kind of alleviate some of the pressure off Karis Avert. But that's a lot to ask of Chris Chioza, who was starting games in the G League, and now all of a sudden he's going to be starting games in general if Dylan yeah, doesn't play. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this opportunity is something that Karis Avert should be relishing. You know, mm. he, he gets the opportunity to be that number one guy. And 
you know, we've mentioned in his season review and, and plenty of other pods that generally when he does flourish is when he is able to have the ball in his hands for a large chunk of the time. So we'll see how he deals with it. Um, the, the opposing defenses, how he gets his teammates involved. You know, obviously I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued to see what it can be. Uh, you know, Anthony Puccio put on Twitter, what's the over under of the amount of field goal attempts? You know, if he's taken less than 20 shots a game, I would be surprised. Yeah, he's got to take like probably at least 21, 23 shots a game. In some games, I'm sure he'll hit 30 shots. You know what I mean? Yep. Because it's just going to be a lot of like, ah, oh, shit, we don't have a shot. Throw the ball back to Karras and let him kind of make something of it. You know, and I think for Joe Harris, it's an interesting opportunity because he's going to get more pressure too. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, shut down Karras Avert. Don't give Joe Harris open threes. And other than that, like, it's not like Joe's going to create for himself. A lot of those drives are coming off kickouts. So, like, it's just the other guys need to – play like step up for Karras and Joe to be able to step up because it's just like they're moving up in the pecking order but the guys behind them aren't like more talented than they were before basketball is a team game and it requires yeah. a, a collective effort and doesn't matter how good any individual talent is it's still going to require contributions from from the lesser knowns and you know the lesser knowns of the Brooklyn Nets these days uh I mean, we'll we'll certainly see. Um, hopefully, it'll be we'll get, fun. We'll get... And like in some ways, like obviously, I'm sad that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie and De- uh, DeAndre Jordan and Wilson Chandler obviously opted out, and Katie and Kyrie aren't playing. But like, it's kind of fun sometimes being back to being the underdog and not really having any pressure going to the situation, so you can kind of just enjoy things and just completely analyze it objectively. Yeah, I mean, the the lack of pressure. I mean, I'm I've sort of said before in relation to to Kyrie and KD, I'm. Well, I'm about, you know, I think that the players are about uh, relishing expectation. I mean, they're, they're used to not having any expectations. That was essentially the, the past three years for this organization. So, you know, I'm sure there'll be some upset wins, some upset games. But uh, ultimately, you know, not to, to put it as, as bluntly as, as I'm about to, but it's almost <laughs> me- it's almost meaningless, you know, the, the next yeah. eight plus games. But um, it's, it does, a tryout. <laughs> it, it's a It's a tryout, but it's going to be fun. Hopefully, you know, hopefully everyone's healthy. Hopefully all parties involved are healthy from the players to the coaches to everyone involved in the NBA. But I guess, Nick, I'll, I'll pose this question to you. Does the recent news regarding um, the, the players uh, who are sitting out, who are being forced to sit out, sway your views in wanting to nest to make the playoffs or not? And I guess we can dive in deep a little bit into the schedule talk. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think it's more likely that they'll miss the playoffs now than before, but I don't even think it's a given. Like, I think if the Nets are able to squeeze out a few wins, which is completely possible, like the Wizards are a good chunk behind them. And I don't really care what happens either way, like, because people are bringing up the lottery pick. The chances the Nets actually win the lottery with like the 13th or 14th odds is like super unlikely. And then it was mentioned, I can't remember who brought this up on Twitter, if they do have this year's pick, then it's like something where it becomes harder to trade during the season or whatever it is, because then the, t- the 21 pick is going to Atlanta. Then you don't have that pick to trade, and then you can't trade your 22 pick because then you can't trade back-to-back picks. So it's actually more beneficial if they give up this pick because then they can move like next year's pick during the year or whatever it might be or something along those lines. Yeah, the, the step-in rule doesn't allow you to, to trade picks back-to-back. So obviously... You know, if if the Nets do want to make a trade, it, it's almost beneficial for that they do make the playoffs. Uh, I think that it's almost, it's not impossible, but the Nets have, as we sort of alluded to in, in previous pods, have one of the easiest schedules. I think they have one of the five or six easy schedules out of any teams 
uh, heading into Orlando. The Washington Wizards have obviously one of the hardest because they are one of the worst teams and they are versing actually quite a few tricky teams uh, in, in the run. And obviously the Nets will be versing the Wizards in that second game. So that will be a key sort of factor in sort of saying if the, the Washington Wizards can get within four games of the Brooklyn Nets or Orlando. Um, I... At the end of the day, I, I don't really... It, it doesn't bother me either way if we get the pick, if we don't get the pick, because it's not going to be, you know, a, a high enough pick. It is a weak draft coming up. Uh, I, I think that it's something that will take care of itself. You know, I think that yeah. the, the more important thing is that we see, you know, some healthy play from from some of our guys. We see Karis Levert continue to grow. Joe Harris continues to prove himself um, in, in important moments. Jared Allen, you know, gets some runs under his leg. I think that player health and player form that we have on the roster right now uh, is more important to me than getting, you know, some 15th pick from whatever university or overseas um, because it's not really going to have that major of an effect. And, you know, the first round pick, whatever trade needs to be made for a third star, the, the Nets will make it anyway. It, whether they have that extra pick or not, they'll throw in an extra player, whoever it might be. Right now, I think Rodion Kuritz is, is at better value than the 15th pick and whatever's coming up in in, in this draft um, and that's saying well, maybe not maybe he's a, he's still a first he's had a first round value in this upcoming draft albeit a weak draft but I guess uh, do we want to sort of get into the schedule a little bit Nick yeah sure and I just want to bring up one more point about the trade and what it would do essentially like you mentioned with the siphon rule is they, they wanted to make a trade and that team wanted a, a pick for that year. Like let's say they're trading for like a role player during the season. They wanted to trade the 21 pick and they can't all of a sudden, like there's more pressure on them to have to make all their moves in the summer than being able to make them that year because they're, you know, certain teams are looking for specific picks that can help them right away or things along those lines. So I think that is like a fair point that people have brought up in terms of like the pick thing and not wanting to tank. And just like you mentioned, like, it's not a great draft unless they're getting a top three pick, which is highly unlikely and which they most likely would have to trade it. You know, it's, it's not a, like a super great scenario. It's not like previous drafts where it was stacked in like the top 15. Yeah, basically, you know, you, and obviously we're not draft experts, but from everything that we've heard from guys at OGD basketball, that's seems to be the consensus. And Nick, I mean, we, when the first schedule f first did sort of drop, we did analyze it. We had the Nets going four and four, the Magic going three and five, and the Washington Wizards going two and six. But just to recap, uh, the Washington Wizards have the following teams in their final eight games. They have the Suns, the Nets, the Pacers, the Sixers, the Pelicans, the Thunder, the Bucks, and the Celtics. Um, are you are you remaining steadfast that they win two games? What is the the most that they can win uh, out of those eight possible matchups? I mean, they could beat the Nets now. Like that's you know more likely yep. scenario. They have Bradley Beal, so I think you could probably add another win as a possibility. I'm not saying it's a lock because even with the Nets missing so many guys, like the Wizards are missing Bertans and their roster is not great as is. You know what I mean? Like, so the Nets could still win that game. I'm not ruling it out. Obviously, I feel a lot less confident about the Nets winning as many games as we predicted before. Yeah, it's, I mean, they are currently six games behind the Brooklyn Nets. So they would need to win two extra games. So if the if the Nets went two and six and the Wizards went four and four, then you know we end up versing them in a, in a playing game. But uh, I personally can't see it happening that much. Obviously, the Nets are probably the worst team talent wise heading into Orlando, but I, I still think that they'll win three games. You know, even two games. You know, if, and I I don't necessarily see obviously Washington the Washington Wizards don't have their second best player in Davis Batans heading so. I mean, I, I'm not uh, doubting the, the skill and, and 
and uh, talents of Bradley Beal, but it's going to be tricky for them to to win two extra games on top of what the Brooklyn Nets are doing, or one or an extra one and a half, obviously two, uh, over the Orlando Magic as well. So uh, I I still think you know we to recap the Nets do have the Magic, the Wizards, uh, they have the Bucks, the Celtics, the Kings, the Clippers, and the Magic again, and then the Blazers. So not many two tricky games in there. There obviously is the back-to-back matchup that we alluded to. Uh, with the Bucks and the Celtics, and then obviously that Clippers game is, is going to be a tricky one as well. But other than that, all the rest are very winnable games, even with uh, the absence of DeAndre and Spencer. Yeah, 100%. And uh, we kind of talked about it on the last show, and I actually mentioned on the outlet a little bit. This is a great opportunity for somebody like Torian Prince to step up. You know what I mean? Like if he has a big eight-game stretch and he's hitting his threes, well, all of a sudden the Nets actually became somewhat hard to defend because they have two 40% three-point shooters, you know, sitting in each corner. So... It's like you mentioned it, like the Bucks, the Celtics, and the Clippers are really good teams. Other than that, the rest of the teams are mediocre at best. I wouldn't say any of them are good teams. No, no, not at all. And I think that, you know, you've sort of alluded to Toy and Prince a little bit. I'll I'll give some some run to, to Jared Allen. I think that right yeah. now, you know, he said at the start of the season he wanted to be the starting center. He earned it. He's the better player. He was the better player, at least at that point of the year, at the start of the season, heading into uh, the regular season. And he performed relatively admirably but then the inconsistencies did start to creep in and it it forced uh it forced you know uh, Kenny Atkinson and, and Jarfon's hand to take him out of that starting lineup and obviously you know DeAndre Jordan was playing better basketball did deserve to start and and now Jared Allen is is getting back that starting position how he we we do know that he does have decent chemistry with Karis Avert I'm sure that they're working on things now that the facility is open in Brooklyn. Obviously, that has been shut for a little bit. Um, so it's going to be an intriguing one to see how Jared Allen relishes this opportunity. He's going to have, you know, there's not necessarily versing the best centers in the world, you know, in, in, in the run that we have going forward. You know, the Magic have, I guess, Vucevic. You know, the, the Wizards have Thomas Bryant. The Bucks will be going up against a former teammate in Brook Lopez. The Celtics have Tyson Cantor. Cantor's always given him a little bit of work. Um, you know, the Clippers have Avika Zubac and, and Montrez Harrell. So uh, it's not like he's going to be going up against any world beaters like, you know, a Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis or a Joel Embiid. So he's going to have the opportunity to, to really put up or shut up. I love it, Jack. That's a really good uh, take right there. I didn't really think about Jared Allen a ton, but this isn't a huge opportunity for him, really. Like, he's the man. Like, he's the center. He's going to be down there. And there's an opportunity because, like, even in the guys you mentioned, like, Jared Allen's quicker than a lot of those players. You know what I mean? So there's going to be opportunities for oops or whatever it might be. And Nets are going to be looking to feed him. And let's be honest, they're probably going to miss a lot of shots. And so are the other teams because everyone's going to be a little rusty show off that rebounding and, you know, rebound tenaciously like we saw for, I think, a stretch in December, late November, whatever it was. And maybe you put pressure on the Nets next year and, like, who they're going to start. Or, you know, the trade value of Jared Allen times two because he just had a crazy eight-game stretch in playoff where he just dominated, averaged 18 points and, like, 12 boards and two blocks. And I don't think they're outlandish numbers for Jared Allen because we've seen him play at a really high level. Just been, like, an issue with consistency and, you know, maintaining that tenacity. Yeah, I think for an eight-game sample size, I would be surprised if all of these guys aren't motivated to impact as much as they can. You know, it's not like there's 20 games left in the season. You know, you've got leave eight games. Leave it on the floor. Leave it on the floor. You've got eight games to put it out there. And I think most of us saw the picture uh, of Jared Allen riding on his bike, you know, wearing his mask like he, like he should be. Um, and, you know, he's looking in shape. I think a lot of players, a lot of people were like, oh, why is it he put on muscle? It's just like, all right, guys, like there's a 
goddamn pandemic happening. He doesn't have a home gym, like (laughs) you know what I mean. The main thing is that he's goddamn healthy and he doesn't have the freaking virus. And he does. Hopefully, hopefully he doesn't. And he might. And hopefully, you know, there are other Nets players as as well that have contracted the virus. But he's healthy. That's the main thing. Uh, Don't care what his body looks like. But I'm glad to see that he's healthy and he's wearing a mask. And hopefully, uh, the rest of the Brooklyn Nets team is doing that as well. So uh, certainly, two guys that will be keeping an eye on Nick. But to, to finish this one up. Uh, Wilson Chandler did jump on a podcast and was talking about his decision not to head to Orlando and how the the Nets organization reacted to it. Um, And I'll give a a few little quotes from it. He said that the Nets took his decision very well and the organization will not hold it against me at all. Um, I told Sean, you know, I spoke to him. I definitely appreciated the Nets being a family-friendly organization, always helping me, supporting me when I was needing it most, making my transition very smooth. Like I said, he's always been there for me. Uh, what were your thoughts uh, upon seeing this uh, from Wilson Chandler when he was speaking to Ben Steiner? Zero percent surprised. I just like anticipated the Nets would be super cool about it based off Sean Marks, how he's reacted in the past and the entire Nets organization. It was something you expected for them to do. Not to say that it's not great and other organizations would act differently, but I, I mean, I'm not surprised by Sean. I think it's a really good thing and it just continues to kind of, it's a good PR look for the Nets too. Not to say that's the reason they did it, but if I'm another player, and maybe I just told the team, hey, I'm not going. They gave me a somewhat hard time or tried to pressure me to go back. And I find out Sean Marks is super cool and like is all about the players. It helps in Nets case moving forward. So, Yeah, I think that we, we know that this isn't just a sort of PR play. We know that this is genuine from Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets because it's been a, a key tenant of how they run the organization ever since they took over. You know, we've, we've heard that time and time again. Family-friendly, family-friendly. They're player-centric. They're always thinking about all, all those sort of things. So uh, no surprises there. Good to see that uh, Wilson Chandler does have the support. And uh, I think that he wants to be back in Brooklyn. I know that we want him back. I know that Nolan wants him back. I know that so many guys in Nets Twitter want him back. Seems to be a, a guy of real high moral character. Not I've never doubted that, uh, as most players are in the NBA, actually, to be fair, if not all guys in the NBA. So uh, I'm hoping that he's back. Uh, I'm glad to see that the support is there. Um, and I hope that uh, however he chooses to spend his time with his family, friends, um, and and through social justice issues, that he he finds fulfillment in that, as do any any other players who, who are choosing to make the same decision. 100%. I guess, Jack, I have one unprompted question for you. Yep. If you had to rank the top five guys heading into Orlando that have an opportunity to like showcase their skills and like prove that they're a better player than they are, and let's just assume Karis Levert is number one because he's going to have the biggest opportunity, who's two through five? Uh, two through five would be uh, Torian Prince, Jarrett Allen. I guess those are the easy ones. Uh, probably Brodion's Kurutz. Yep. Uh, and uh, who would be my number five? Um, I guess, you know what? I'm, for the sake of it, I'm going to throw out Tyler Johnson. Why not? Ooh. I was I mean, thinking uh, Chris Gioza. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I just need to, I think that we sort of already know what Chris Gioza is because he's shown flashes of consistency. Obviously, he'll be given more opportunity and whether how he chooses to relish that opportunity is going to be interesting but tyler johnson has probably more reason to put up or shut up because yep. he is a cast off he is a, a buyout sort of guy so he has reason that he needs to perform whereas chris Gioza, whether he performs or not in or how well he does perform or not in brooklyn i think that we expect him to be a serviceable player and whether he's on the brooklyn nets or not um whereas there are a lot of question marks surrounding 
you know, Tyler Johnson in, in that sort of respect. And maybe if, if there's Dragon Bender ends up being on this team, maybe that'll be a name that I'll I'll put in there as well. But for me, Tyler Johnson has a, uh, probably more to prove than anyone because, you know, this is the, the, the point of his career where it's either put up or shut up and he's either going to be in the NBA or on the Brooklyn Nets or wherever it be for, for years to come, or he could be heading to Europe and elsewhere to continue, yeah. continue his basketball career. So um, I think, yeah, you could certainly say Chioza, uh, but for the or sake Giana of Or Musa. Like, Musa has a case too because he had an opportunity this year and it feels like he didn't really show up and the Nets didn't feel like giving him minutes and like, hey, you're probably going to get a shot to prove that you're an NBA level like scoring guard. And if he, he does showcase that, maybe he can stay in the team or have an opportunity. But I wouldn't, like, Moose is not a guy that I feel like is guaranteed another contract in the NBA because he hasn't really done anything with the Nets. I mean, he has eight games to show it and whatever minutes he, I mean, we've seen probably the smallest of flashes. If I were to do like a video breakdown of highlights of, of, of Musa from the season, uh, there'd probably be a couple of them, but I wouldn't be able to get to my normal sort of nine, 10 <laughs> highlight play length, but Hopefully we get to see that from him. You know, uh, I think it is a very fair point. You know, the the amount of shooting guards we, that we have on the roster right now, Nick, obviously Musa is 6'9", so he can certainly play, you know, some small forward and power forward. He obviously is quite slight, but, you know, he's only an inch or two off, off Rodion. In fact, yeah. he's the same height as Rodion's Kurutz. So, like, uh, it's not to say that he can't play above his position. And, you know, I think that he can be show energy out there. I just think it's going to be about decision-making and effectiveness. And uh, it's going to be that there are plenty of guys on this roster from, you know, you know five down who, who uh, have are young or unproven or uh, are a bit older and veterans in this league and, and need to prove themselves again. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for them. So I think that there, there is opportunity uh, for plenty of guys in this book and that's roster to make some sort of form of an impact, uh, not just for the team, but uh, for their individual uh, careers respectively. 100%. And I think that's like one of the more intriguing storylines. Obviously, we didn't have high expectations going in without Katie and Kyrie, but there was still like a little excitement in terms of like winning and going to a playoff series. But now this is like another angle to look at it where there's still something positive to come out of it. Yeah, basically. But that wraps it up. Jack, always fun talking Nets with you. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsPod.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.